Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? That wasn't very uh, convincing. I said good morning. And how are you all doing? Who's not doing so good? Say amen. All right. I got to preach to you too. Can we all stand in reverence for the word of God? Come on. You guys ready for the word of God today? Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24. Matthew 13, beginning at verse 24. The word of God says, here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in the field. But that night, as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the weed if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvester to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and put them in the barn. Amen. I want to preach and speak to you this morning on an interesting subject entitled, Outgrow It. Come on, say it with me. Outgrow It. And just nudge your neighbor and just tell him, hey, you need to grow up already. Come on. <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> you guys are a little bit too happy now. I'll see you. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Lord. There's a lot of us here that need to grow up. There's a lot of us here, Lord, that need not only to grow, but we know that the growing comes from you, Lord. So I pray, Lord, for those here today that need to grow. Father, I pray that there are things in our lives we outgrow and leave behind. Teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys can have a seat. So as we talk about the topic of outgrowing, I don't know why I started thinking about this a few days ago, but I believe that life could be so much better if we'd grow up. And I don't know where that thought came from, but I remember I was driving this week and I I had this thought. I said, man, I wonder how my life would be so different if I would just grow up. And then the word outgrow came to my mind. And then this story I read and I said, wow, what a connection. You see, when you outgrow something, that term outgrow is literally defined in the dictionary as leaving something behind as you mature. So when you outgrow something, it's kind of natural to just leave it behind. It's not really a struggle. It's not a battle. It's not a tough effort because you're growing so much that it's no longer fitting for you and you naturally just leave it behind. See, example, all of us have this in common. There was a time in our lives we wore baby clothes. And when you look, I mean, aren't these the cutest things ever? 
Little baby jeans and, and these little baby pajamas. And they're cute and they're all adorable. And we just look at them and we just go, Ooh, that's so, I don't know what y'all do with baby clothes. But the honest truth is, these are just seasonal. Because it may look cute when you put them on the boy or the girl, and it may look adorable for a season, but there comes a point that that child outgrows it. And it's not a struggle to leave these pajamas behind. It's not a war or battle to get rid of these jeans, because naturally, as that child grows, it is no longer fitting. Are you with me? It's no longer fitting, so you move on to the next stage, the next chapter of clothing, and as that gets old, and as that gets outgrown, you leave that behind, and then I don't even want to talk about the clothes that you did not outgrow, but you look back, and you thought it looked good back in the day, and you say, what was I thinking? We're talking middle school and high school clothes, remember that? But see, when you outgrow something, it means that you mature to the point that what used to be fitting no longer fits. No matter how cute it is, adorable, it no longer fits. So I get rid of it. Outgrow. See, I believe that's what God wants to do in your life. You don't believe that you get saved, you give your life to Jesus, you now surrender and say, I'm going to live for you, Lord. But I believe that there are some cases and people that I've met that it's like overnight, they just completely change and, and drop their addiction and habits and attitudes and sin. And they're like an overnight success. But that's probably not you. Amen? Amen. Thank you. And I believe that God understands that. You see, I honestly believe that when you're walking with Jesus, He says, walk with me, not sprint, because it's a walk. And when you walk, it's a step-by-step. And when you walk with Jesus, it's a step-by-step process to growth and maturity. And you notice that you're growing in maturity, not because of how much of the Bible you know now. You're not growing and maturing because of how many times you've gone to church now. You're not even growing and mature because of a certain ministry you serve in. The, the sign of true growth and maturity, I believe, is not what you start doing for God, but what you stop doing for God. I believe that the true sign of maturity and growth is what you have been willing to leave behind. Because I know people that read the Bible every day, they come to church every Sunday, they go to all the Bible study, they memorize the scriptures, they do all of that, but there's still things in their life they don't leave behind. Because even though they're in the presence of godly things, there is no real growth happening. And when there's real growth that takes place, what you used to think was a cute little sin no longer fits. 
And that season you used to live in that was wrong before God no longer fits. So there are things in my life that are no longer fitting because I have grown with the Lord. That's why you'll see people that are born again believers and they're still struggling with certain sins and bondages. But I believe that there will come a time that they will take on root and grow and bear fruit to the point that that very sin they're struggling with, they naturally leave behind. Because I believe that what the Lord was showing me this week is that your life would be so different if you just grow up. We need more growth in the church. And I'm not talking numerically. I'm talking about spiritually. See, because I wonder how many things and attitudes and sins in your life are no longer fitting, but you still keep around? How many people in your life are no longer fitting, but you still keep them around? Because I believe that as you grow with God, you're able to look back and and remember what used to be fitting and what used to be seasonal. And and you used to, man, I can't believe I used to live like that and act that way and think that way. But you notice that you leave it behind because you grow with the Lord. You leave behind as you mature. That's why I believe God is calling you today to outgrow it. Now explain more about that. But the farmer, who's a picture of God, sent out his workers to work. That's us. So the workers were working, and the Bible says that they were planting good seeds. But in verse 27, as the workers were waiting. Now, I want you to picture this because it wasn't like they walked into the field and just went boop and just went. These workers were called workers because they what? They worked. They got up before dawn. They tilled the field. They were weeping out the weeds. They were planting the seeds. They were sweating. They were tired. They put in all the work, but they knew that they were doing all of this because the harvest was coming. So the Bible says as these workers were working, I love what it says. It says that sometime later... They looked at the fields, and weeds had grown. And look at this question they asked the farmer, which is God. Where did they come from? In other words, they were working hard, doing good things, sowing good seeds, but then something bad came out with the good. And the only question they had to ask the farmer was, this makes no sense. Where did this come from? In other words, it was unexpected, it was unfair, and it was a disappointment. Now Jesus is illustrating this story because I believe there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. Number one, you don't always get out of life what you put into it. And that's the culture that we live in, that, hey, if you work hard and if you believe, it's going to happen. Really? 
I'm all for working hard. I'm all for faith and believing. But don't you think that that's a guarantee that just because you put in the effort, it's going to happen the way you want it to happen. Because if not, get to know a lot of people in this church and they will tell you how hard they work towards something and they just still betrayed them. And this church is full of stories of people that worked hard to do good and only bad came out of them. Can I get a witness today? That's what life is. Just like it was unexpected and unfair and disappointing, isn't that life? It's unexpected, the bad things that happen to you. Well, pastor, it's not fair. Life and God is not fair. But I'm so disappointed. Me too. But you're asking God, where did it come from? Why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Am I being punished, God? Where does it come from means it doesn't belong here. And I wonder how many things in your life you feel don't belong. But they're there. And what's hard about it is because these workers, they put in a lot of hard work and good seeds. But bad came out. And I know you can look back at your life and say, Pastor, I've been there. I put in a lot of good seeds into this job. And I was expecting a harvest. I was expecting a promotion. And I got laid off. There's a lot of parents here, mothers and fathers, that you put in a lot of good seed into your children and you raised them right and you worked hard and sacrificed. And when they were 18 or older and grew up, they don't even call you anymore. They don't even show up to visit you anymore. It's like you never existed and you're wondering, what happened? I wasn't expecting this from my child. I did all the work towards this child and look how they repay me. I hear it all the time. I hear it through marriages and couples that sit with me in counseling and they say, Pastor, I worked so hard on my marriage and I've sacrificed so much and I've given so much to him and to her. But in the end, they still walked out. In the end, we still got divorced and that didn't belong in my life. It wasn't supposed to be this way. Where did this come from? There are so many people and relationships you've worked on, you've done so much good for, and you've sown so much good seeds towards, and in the end, that person, that friend, still leaves and becomes friends with your enemies. And even when it comes to your health, well, pastor, I, I eat right, I work out, I do everything, I, I do keto, I do this, I do that. And I go to the doctor and find out that I have cancer. I find out that I'm sick. I find out that I'm not so healthy. Where did this come from? Have you ever been in a place in your life, you're just looking at all the unexpected bad that has come out of your good, and all you're left with is that powerful question you want to ask God, I don't understand it, where has this come from? Because Galatians 6, 9, this is what a church was going through. 
They were following Jesus. They were preaching the gospel. They were working hard. And as a result, bad things happened to them. They were preaching. They were reaching the lost. And as a result, they got in prison. They died. Their houses were burnt down. Their families were sold as slaves. And many of them suffered. And they're asking, Paul, can you explain this? Where has all of this come from? We've done so much good and only bad has come out. And notice what Paul says here. Let us not get tired of doing what is right. Good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Why do people give up on doing good? It's simple. We're tired. Can we stop for a second and confess that sometimes doing good, it doesn't feel so good? Because you don't see the blessing of it. And you get tired and there's an evil voice in your mind and your ears whispering, just give up. Just give up. Don't even go to church anymore. Stop praying. Stop believing for that miracle and breakthrough. Don't even pray for your child. Don't even give up on your marriage. You might as well go and give in to that sin. Why are you going to bother? You've been trying at this Christian thing forever. And what has it gotten you? You've only been rejected. You have lost everything. You've suffered. Don't even bother. You look tired. Why don't you just give up already? And there are so many people that want to give up on doing good good because good is not working out for them but God says if you can just hold on you'll see the blessing if you can just hold on and do it God's way and keep doing good eventually you're gonna see the blessing So God says, you keep praying, you keep worshiping, you keep fellowshipping with other believers, you keep believing, you keep doing what's right, you keep doing what's good. I know you're tired, I'm not denying it, but if you can keep doing the good work of the kingdom of God, it will reward you. And God says, don't give up. There's a lot of people here in this church, in this mission, out there in this street that say, Pastor, I feel like giving up. Why? Because it's hard and I'm tired. That is not an excuse. Because Jesus Christ was tired on that cross, but he still got the job done. So don't give up on what you're feeling like giving up on. But keep doing the good even when the good is not evident coming back to you in your life. And as they asked this question, where did this come from? They wanted to know, what was the reason for this? We went out into the field, we worked hard, we put in the good seed, and something bad came out. And the farmer again, who is a picture of God, says to the workers, I'll tell you where it came from. It was the enemy. The enemy that doesn't want to see you blessed. 
The enemy that doesn't want to see you prosper. It's that enemy that envies your victory. Is that enemy that as long as you stay dry and without blessing, he leaves you alone. But when he sees you working hard and planting good seed and believing for a harvest, you know the enemy is not far. Don't be surprised that when you're trying to do right and trying to do good and you're trying to do it God's way and you're working hard for a blessing, the enemy shows up. That's a good sign that you're doing something right. Because the enemy will leave you alone if there's no harvest to be had. The enemy only attacks the workers. So it's when you make a declaration, God, I'm going to work toward getting my life right and back on track. God, I'm going to work. I'm getting rid of this habit and this addiction and this hidden sin. I'm going to work on this attitude. And God says, you go, you do it. And the devil said, what? I'll be right there. That's why it feels like the enemy is present now where was the enemy when you didn't have Jesus in your life where was the devil when you were in sin where was the devil on the weekends where you were doing God knows what with who it's like he left you alone you get saved one day and turn and repent and try to do good and do it God's way. And now the enemy is in your life. And I want to congratulate you. Because the enemy only attacks the threat. And if you're under attack by the enemy, it's because he knows a harvest that's coming into your life. And he's only trying to stop it. So they asked the farmer... God and said, hey, what's up with all this bad with everything we did? And the farmer said, it's the enemy. He's trying to stop us. I promise you in the name of Jesus right now, the enemy is trying to stop you. And he knows exactly what to plant. He might plant that woman in your life because he knows a harvest is coming. He'll plant the wrong guy in your life because he knows a harvest is coming. He'll plant the wrong opportunity, the wrong jobs, the wrong everything because he knows the harvest is coming and I need to stop it. What's so interesting is that the wheat and the seed that the enemy planted, known as a tear. When they grew together, you couldn't tell them apart. Let me show you a picture of this. So this wheat and this weed, they look identical. You can't even tell them apart. But it's as you get closer to it that it becomes evident that the tear is wrapped up around the wheat. And trying to choke it out. And when I learned that about this wheat. I realized. That that describes a lot of us. You know pastor what do you mean by that? Let me explain. There's a lot of times in church. 
that things are not as they appear in someone's life. And there's a lot of people here and listening online right now that it's so easy to appear to be okay, to appear to be fine. It's so easy to convince yourself that, that everything's normal. So you come to church and, and you worship, you come to church with your Bible at hand, people say, hey, how are you doing? And you say, oh, I'm fine, I'm great, God is good, and you smile and you sing, you take pretty pictures on your social media, and it's so easy in the culture we live in to appear to be fine, because there's so much pressure today to look like you're okay, because we're convinced that if we were honest with people and say, I'm not okay, that that means there's something seriously wrong with that person, especially in the church. There's something wrong when there's a Christian that's not okay. And if you would tell the truth, hey, how are you doing? I'm miserable. Hey, Pastor David, how are you doing? Kill me. That's how I'm doing. Hey, you look good today. Yeah, well, I don't feel good. I'll tell you that. Isn't it a beautiful day? Whatever. Not in my life. Many of you will say, we need to pray for him. He's in trouble. Because we have convinced ourselves that Christians don't suffer. We're convinced that, that in the church is full of people that have it all together. And we're fine. But see, like that tear and like that wheat, if you take a closer look, you appear to be fine from a distance. But if I would take a closer look at you, I'm sure that there are things in your life you're wrapped up with. And there are things in your life that you feel are choking you. And you're overwhelmed. And we try to pretend reality away. But when you pretend to just leave reality and pretend to be fine, what happens is though you look great on the outside, you're imploding on the inside. And that's why there's nervous breakdowns happening all the time. And people that just give up and they lose their mind and they quit. Why? Because you spent so much time under the assumption and the pressure that you have to convince yourself and everyone else that you're fine. Because like that wheat from a distance, I need people to know that I'm strong, that I'm faithful, that I'm loyal, that I'm godly. But if you would take a closer look at my life, you would see that I'm wrapped up and and I am choking and I am overwhelmed with a lot of things. And if you would take a closer look at my life, it's not as it appears. I know I smile. I know I have a nice social media account. I know you see me laughing and worshiping and holding the Bible. But if you would take a closer look, you would see that I'm wrapped up in anger and it's affecting my family. I'm all wrapped up in depression. I don't even want to get up in the morning and I have constant anxiety and I have doubt in God's word, and I have hidden sin I'm ashamed of, and I'm in bondage, but I appear to be okay, but the enemy has me wrapped. And I'm in trouble. But I can't show it. I can't show that I'm weak. 
I can't show that I'm lacking faith. Why? Well, because then I'm a bad Christian. Are we all just bad Christians that happen to be saved? So easy, like the weed and the tear, to appear to be fine. Let me share with you, I thought about King David. King David was an honest man. And King David wrote a few psalms I want to read to you. Psalm chapter 6, verse 6. David said, I'm worn out from crying. That's a psalm he wrote. I'm worn out. How many of you feel worn out? You're worn out because all you feel like you can do is cry. He said, all night, I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with tears. David wrote in Psalm 69, 23, that their eyes go blind so they cannot see and make their body shake continuously. Now I'm going to explain something. Here David said, Lord, I'm bitter. I want my enemies to go blind. I want them to shake in fear and panic. I want you to do something about them. But he never told people he was bitter. So we have David who says, I'm worn out. David says, I'm bitter. David says in Psalm 143, verse 4, he said, I'm losing all hope. This is David. He wrote to God and said, I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. And in verse 7, he even goes further and says, Lord, can you come quickly? Answer me. For my depression deepens. So David says, I'm bitter, I'm worn out, and I'm going through depression. This is King David. The giant slayer. The worshiper. The warrior who was great in the battlefield. But when he was by himself, he was losing his own battles. It was David, the one everyone looked up to, the man after God's own heart. Wow, David. And in private, he said, God, I'm losing faith. God, I'm going through depression. God, I'm worn out. See, that is weak and that is tear. Because the Bible clearly says that David, from a distance, man, he was awesome. But on the inside... He says, God, I'm tired. I'm worn out. But I love that he tells God. Because here David displays an honesty that even though he's trying to be impressive to people on the outside, he's not trying to be impressive with God. He gets alone with God and he said, God, can I be real with you? I'm tired. God, my depression's not getting better. 
God, the truth is I'm tired of people and, and I want them to suffer. And David would cry himself to sleep. But he found hope in the Lord. Because the Bible says in the end of his life, the Lord was with David. Which shows me, so I want to teach you a word of wisdom here. We often hear this, you can't control what happens in life. That's absolutely true. There are some situations in your life that are beyond your control. You can't control what someone did to you. You can't control the outcome of what you thought should have been your life. You can't control life. You can't control the people in life. You can't control the devil in your life. But just because you can't control life doesn't mean you have to surrender control to life. And just because you can't control people doesn't mean I have to surrender control to people. And just because an enemy is alive in my life and well, and he's attacking me and I can't control what the devil does in my life, doesn't mean you have to surrender control to the devil. Because there's a lot of you here today that even though there are things in your life that are out of your control, you have surrendered control to a certain person. And how do you know this? Because the thought of them ruins your day. Then that person controls you. And because of them, it has affected your level of trust in others. And you take it out on others. That means that that person, you have surrendered control. And because there's an uncontrollable situation in your life, now that the minute you think about it, it causes you to have fear and discouragement and anxiety that you can't even enjoy your children. You can't enjoy a day at the beach or a day off from work because that day off means I just have to think about what's wrong in my life. You have surrendered control to that very thing in your life and it has control over you. I wonder how many things in your life and how many people have control over you. Because even though David had enemies and the enemy was attacking him and he was bitter and he was angry and depressed and discouraged and worn out, he never allowed the outside circumstances to have control of his heart. He always ran to God. He got alone with God and he surrendered it to God and said, I encourage myself in the Lord. Well, pastor, there's a lot of things in my life I can't control. Maybe you were never intended to control it. I want to tell you something you're not going to like. But it's going to bless you. And I probably won't be around in your life to say, Hey, Pastor, thank you for that. You were right, because you'll probably get mad at me and run away. But, can I be honest with you now? Say, yes, Pastor, give it to me. Come on, I need encouragement. All right. All right. The workers came... And they asked a powerful question to the farmer. Two questions. One, where did this come from? The enemy. Ah, okay, okay. The enemy. A second question they asked. Do you want us to go and 
pull them out? Do you want us to go and remove it? They asked. And verse 29, the God, the farmer, said, No. Do you have faith in the farmer when he tells you, leave it? But it doesn't belong there, leave it. But it's choking it, leave it. But it's going to kill our wheat. No, it's not. Leave it. Because there's another lesson God teaches us here. God won't always prevent trials. Pain. Even the enemy from attacking. God won't always remove suffering from your life. We paint this picture that God doesn't want us to suffer. Not only is it not scriptural, it's not beneficial to your life never to suffer. Suffering produces knowledge and wisdom and maturity. That's why in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, Paul says, even though I have received such a wonderful revelation, say, man, God's been good to me. To keep me from becoming proud because God saw a little pride in him. I was given a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what this thorn is, but there's a clue. A messenger from who? Satan. To torment me and keep me from becoming proud. So Paul was tormented, suffering, and God allowed it. And three times he did what we would naturally do. And I want to close with this because the Bible says that three times... I begged the Lord. I begged him. Take it away. I see, I wonder how many things in your life you're begging God to take away. What disease, what person, what trial, what setback are you saying, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't like it. Take this away. And each time he prayed, take it away. Each time he prayed, take it away, God. Take it away. I don't want this. God replied, my grace is all you need. In other words, no. But my power works best in these moments of weakness. You want to see God at work? God works best when you're suffering. God works best at your weakest. So Paul's attitude changed and said, I'm glad to boast about my weakness. I'm glad I'm going through this. Could you honestly say, man, I am so glad I'm suffering. No one in their right mind is glad about the suffering, but you're glad because of what the suffering is producing in you. That's why we rejoice in suffering because we know that the suffering is producing something good inside your life. See, when we pray away our suffering and try to escape from suffering and try to remove suffering, 
You're probably praying away a blessing. You're trying to escape a blessing. And maybe you're trying to remove a blessing from your life because there is a blessing behind suffering. There is a blessing behind the situation. You're asking God to change, but He hasn't. There is a blessing. I, I don't know how, but I promise you, according to the Word of God, there is a blessing behind that person. You say, God, where do they come from? I don't like them very much, and I don't like being with them. And every time I'm with them, I get angry. And God says, that's why I put them there, because I want you to work on that anger. God, take it away. See, David said in Psalm 119, 71, David said, my suffering, same David, the one that was discouraged, depressed, worn out, tired, doubting, losing hope, but outside he was great. He said, my suffering was, what? You're like, good. Because I know it's hard to hear this. My suffering was good for me. For it taught me. You know, behind everything you're suffering, God is trying to teach you something. But you're so busy whining and complaining that you can't even listen to the teacher. But behind all suffering, if you would stop and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? My suffering was good. At the time, I didn't think it, I didn't like it. But now that I've overcome it, I see that it's good because it taught me a thing or two. See, how many of you could say, I've learned a lot, not just from coming to church and reading my Bible. I've learned a lot through the lessons of life that beat me up and the suffering that I've gone through. Because there are things in your life you have suffered, but because you've suffered, you've learned a lot. And you say, I'll never do that again. And God said, you graduated. It's good. what does God expect from you? If you're here today and like those workers, you're putting in so much good, but bad's coming out and there's all these things you're asking God, where did this come from? Let me tell you that God is allowing you to go through this suffering because he's trying to do good in you and through you. So while you're going through it, if God hasn't removed it, it's because like the terror, it belongs there. Do you mean to tell me God's not going to change it? No, he will. But before he changes it, he's using it to change you. So he can't remove it now is what you're saying. That's right. let's stop whining about it crying about it complaining about it thinking about who deserves it more than you do and say Lord if it's your will remove it if not I'll learn from it well I can't do that you know why because you need to grow up that's real maturity you know what God expects you to do 
There's a little hidden little, it's like those apple contracts, a little agreement thing. In verse 30, let both, what's that next word? Grow together. What's interesting is that the farmer says, don't remove it. And you know what God teaches us here? That even though you're wrapped up in it, and even though it's choking you, and even though it's a direct attack from the enemy, you can still grow. Because I know a lot of people that when life gets hard, they stop growing. And when life is unfair, they stop growing. They stop going to church. They stop praying. They stop fellowshipping with other believers. They stop worshiping. They just have a pity party. They give up on God and they stop growing. But see, the Bible says even though the terror is there and it is not easy and it's wrapped up around you and it is choking you, you can still grow. Why does the farmer say it will grow with the tear? Because as the wheat would grow, it would actually outgrow the tear and the workers will be able to identify it and pull the tear off. So there comes a time that God is going to tear up what's tearing you. That's what God says. It's not forever. It's just a season. But I'm going to tear apart what has been tearing you. Man, I love that. But while it tears you, keep growing. Because then God is saying, You know that thing that's choking you? That you're wrapped up with? You can outgrow it. Because I wonder how many of you are asking God, Lord, take this habit away from me. Take this sin away from me. Take this attitude away from me. What if God says no? I want you to outgrow it instead. I want you to fall in love with me so much and and love my word so much and worship me and just be around me so much that as you grow in wisdom and knowledge and as you fall in love because you're walking with me and doing life with me and as you begin to grow and mature you outgrow that very habit and sin and hidden sin you want me to remove that you outgrow it in such a way that you naturally just leave it behind because you've outgrown it so much you look back and realize it's no longer fitting in your life So God says you can outgrow addiction. You can outgrow sin. You can outgrow bad habits. You can outgrow anger and whatever else it is that the enemy has planted into your life to stop your harvest even though it's in your life right now. Don't you get it? We can still grow and outgrow it to the point that's what's been tearing us apart. God will tear off of us. Grow up. And you'll outgrow it. Let's pray. Show me your hands right now. If you're saying, Pastor, a closer look would reveal that there's things in my life that are choking me, that I'm wrapped up with.
that I wish God would take away. Show me your hands if you're suffering. You're wondering, God, where did this come from? I want to tell you that maybe today God is letting you know I'm not going to remove it because you're going to outgrow it. But fall in love with Jesus. And I guarantee that what the enemy has planted to tear you, God eventually will remove only because you've outgrown it. And I believe that there's a great growth that's going to take place in your life. That you're not going to be the person you are right now. That you're going to outgrow certain habits and attitudes and sin. That you're going to look back and realize it's no longer a fit for me to live that way anymore. And all because you've grown in power and wisdom as you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But in order to grow, you need to walk with Jesus. So my invitation to you this morning is if you want to begin to walk with Jesus today. Oh, maybe you're here, you're saying, Pastor, I started walking with Jesus, but ever since the terror came into my life and the enemy's been attacking me and I've been choked up and wrapped up with things, I've kind of just given up. Well, get back into the word of God. Get back and say, Lord, I want to be honest, God. I don't love you like I used to, but I want to again. And you get back to that place where you were once growing because there are things in your life the Lord is not going to remove because you have the grace, as God said to Paul, you have the grace and the abundance of power to outgrow it right now. But Father, in the name of Jesus, let's all stand. I want to pray with everyone here today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for anyone here today who has things in their life that are wrapped up, that are choking them. Father, for those that from a distance appear to be fine, but inside, Lord, they're wrapped up and choking. Father, give them the grace and the power you pray this with me just say Lord Jesus I need to outgrow and you fill in the blank right now what is it in your life you need to start outgrowing leave behind Father give him the grace and the power for your grace is sufficient it's all we need to live a life of victory you have the grace over that sin in your life You have the grace over that mindset that has you discouraged. That attitude, the pride, the selfishness. You have the grace of God to outgrow that. But you need to get back into the presence of God. Because a harvest will come. Even if the enemy is still present in your life, you can keep growing. Father, so I pray you give them the grace and the power they need to outgrow the very thing that's wrapped them up right now. The things that's choking them right now. Father, we don't just want to appear to be okay. We actually want to be okay. So I pray your grace over every man and every woman, every child in this room today, Lord. That when life is unexpected and unfair and painful, And suffering is in our lives. Father, I pray that we mature enough to see the suffering as a good thing. That you're trying to teach us something. Give us the grace and the wisdom in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. Give God a shout of praise today. God bless you all. God bless you all.